No matter what happens in the world, God is still in control, a very present help in times of trouble. Let Dr. David Jeremiah help you start each day renewed and refreshed with his new yearly devotional called Strength for Today. This beautiful leather soft book features short readings reminding you to hold tight to God's faithfulness and find wisdom from God's Word. Receive Strength for Today in appreciation for your gift this month. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. In a culture that equates failure with weakness and prizes success at any cost, is it any wonder so many people are paralyzed by fear of failure? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah explains why this fear isn't a new phenomenon, how it afflicted some well-known figures of the Bible, and how God responded to them. Listen as David introduces today's message, Defeat the Fear of Failure. And thank you so much for joining us today. Today we will look at a passage in Joshua chapter 1, and uh, we're going to talk about the fear of failure. Do you know that a lot of people never venture out to do anything important because they're afraid they'll fail? They, they can't imagine nor can they stand the thought of having to deal with failure, so they never try to do anything. They sit in their comfort zone and let life go by. They never make a difference, and uh, they're not very happy. Well, here's the important thing I hope you will get from today's program. There's a difference from failing and being a failure. We all fail, every one of us. We have so many of us already sometime today before we were up for very long. We did something, we didn't do it right, or we failed to do something we should have done. Not necessarily with foresight, it just happens. We fail. We're imperfect human beings. But a failure doesn't make you a failure. And that's what this lesson is about. You don't have to worry about being a failure because you make a mistake. All of us do that. You only become a failure when you allow it to happen in your own mind. Let's talk about that today as we open our Bibles in a few moments to Joshua chapter 1. We are making available during this month a resource called Hope, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World. It's yours for a gift of any amount to Turning Point, and when you ask for this resource, we'll send it to you right away. This um, book will help you capture much of what I've been talking about and will be talking about during the month of March. It will add some other information that we don't have time to share. It gives you all the resources where we uh, quoted people. You'll find where that is, and it's just a great resource to have on your shelf, and it's especially a good one for right now because there's an awful lot of hopelessness out there, and we think this book can mitigate against that, both for you and for your friends with whom you share it. Well, let's get started right now with part one of Defeat, the Fear of Failure. Joshua chapter one is our study today, but I want to begin with this story. Although he was the leading Democrat of his time, and everyone thought he was certain to become the next president of the United States. Lyndon Baines Johnson failed to become president at that time because he could not get the nerve to give his backers the final okay that they needed to get him nominated. While he was trying to summon the courage to give the final go-ahead, John F. Kennedy got ahead of him, gained the momentum, got the nomination, and then was elected as the president. 
And those who studied Lyndon Johnson's life tell us that his loss of the White House was due to his fear of failure. When he was a teenager, his very wealthy father had lost his entire fortune. And Lyndon Johnson was reduced from a very popular rich kid to the brunt of all the jokes at his high school. He was paralyzed when he was given the opportunity to run for president by a fear of failure, a fear that he would end up like his father. And he was so afraid of failure that he wouldn't give his backers permission to actually make him the nominee. And his fear of failure became a self-fulfilling prophecy. And while he ultimately became the president at a later time, at this particular time, he was paralyzed by fear. A person who is afflicted with the fear of failure considers the possibility of failing so intense that he chooses not even to take the risk. I've known people, and you have too, who are so afraid of failing they could not possibly succeed. In fact, in the Bible, there are over 200 people mentioned about whom it is said they were afraid. And I'm not talking about peripheral characters. I'm talking about main players in the biblical narrative. And the fear of failure in the Bible shows up especially in what we refer to as the call narratives of the Bible. I know that's a new term, and I'm going to explain to you what it means. A call narrative is a section of Scripture in which God calls a person to do a particular task or to accept a particular assignment. And so they call these passages call narratives, narratives about the call of God. And there are some very famous ones, especially in the Old Testament. What happens during a call narrative is pretty routine. It goes like this. The encounter takes place between God and this person, not in some spiritual place, but in the routine of life. For instance, it happened to Moses while he was tending sheep, and it happened to Gideon while he was threshing wheat. And it was sudden. There's no advance notice. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, God speaks to this person and gives them a calling to a specific assignment. And then the calling is followed almost without exception by objections from the person who's being called and all of the reasons why they aren't the right person to do what God wants them to do. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Let me give you a couple of illustrations. God called Moses to lead his people out of the bondage they found themselves in in Egypt. And when God called Moses to do that, here was Moses' response, Exodus 3.11 and 4.10. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? O oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Lord, you got the wrong man. I'm not the right guy. It happened to Gideon. The Bible says that God called Gideon to go up against the fortresses of the Midianites 
and to win the battle against Israel's enemies. And when God called Gideon, here's what Gideon said. Judges 6.15, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Lord, you got the wrong man. And then there's my namesake, Jeremiah. God called Jeremiah to be his prophet. Listen to how Jeremiah responded. He said, Then said I, O Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. Lord, I'm too young. Would God I could still use that as an excuse. (laughs) Each of these stories provides an opportunity for us to see just how God responds to our fears and our weaknesses. And nowhere is God's concern for his fearful servant more evident than in the way that he prepared Joshua to lead the children of Israel after the death of Moses. In this record, which is given to us in the first chapter of the book of Joshua, all of the principles that are scattered throughout the other call narratives come together in an organized step-by-step strategy for dealing with the fear of failure in our lives. Now, let me set the stage for this story in Joshua. This is what we call a transition passage. There's a transition going on between Moses and Joshua. Up to the first chapter of Joshua, it's about Moses. Now it's going to be about Joshua. In fact, the first verse of Joshua chapter 1 reads like this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, God spoke to Joshua saying, Moses, my servant is dead. God came to Joshua and he said to Joshua, you know that Moses has died and you may be wondering who's going to take his place. Well, I would like to make this announcement. I have chosen you. Joshua, you are the one to follow Moses as the leader of the people of Israel. Now, this was an amazing moment for this man, Joshua. In order to understand the magnitude of it, you have to get your arms around the greatness of Moses. Moses was perhaps the greatest man who had ever lived. The Jewish people revere him in the same way that they revere Abraham. Moses, the giver of the law. Moses, the emancipator of the people of Israel from Egypt. The Bible tells us that Moses had a relationship with God unlike anyone else you read about in the Scripture. Exodus 33, 11 says that the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Someone said Moses and God were tight. <laughs> so how would you like to have been Joshua? <laughs> Joshua, you have to follow this great icon of Jewish history and be the new leader of the Jewish people. And this was not going to be an easy task, even had Moses survived these days. You see, the people of Israel had been taken out of Egypt where they had been in bondage for 400 years. They had then wandered through the wilderness in order to fulfill God's punishment for their disbelief. And now they were on the threshold of going into the land of Canaan, which was filled with people who were strong militarily, who knew how to fight wars, and who 
had a reputation of being cruel people who took advantage of others. And the people of Israel did not have a military bone in their body. They'd had some minor skirmishes in the wilderness, but to go up against the Canaanites, they were totally ill-prepared for that. And the word had come back from Canaan that the people in the land were people of gigantic height and strength. In fact, it's the only place in the Bible up to this point where we even hear of any kind of military armament. Joshua seventeen sixteen says, all the Canaanites dwell in the land of the valley and they have chariots of iron. So here are these Israelites, totally unprepared, with no military experience at all, about to go into a land, and they are going to get killed if God doesn't do something. The Bible tells us that the people in Canaan lived in walled cities. Remember the walls of Jericho. And the Bible also tells us that up until this time, Almighty God had been caring for the food of the Israelites. He had fed them every day, remember? They had a special thing going with God, and every day he dropped the food down in front of their tent, and they didn't have to worry about food at all. They had a rather monotonous diet, but they always had something to eat. But the Bible tells us that at this point in time, God is no longer going to do that, and they've got to figure out how to feed themselves. So whoever follows Moses is going to deal with Moses' greatness, with the fierce enemies of the land of Canaan, with the walled cities, and with the food problem that they had never faced before in all the generations where they had been in Egypt. Somebody has got to take this responsibility. And God said, Joshua, you the man. You the man. Now, Suppose you were a consultant and Joshua came to see you and unloaded everything I've told you up to this point and he said, okay, I need some help. Can you get me ready to do this job? What would you have said to him? Well, let me tell you, Joshua did have a consultant. He was a divine consultant. Joshua's consultant was Almighty God. And Almighty God is about to prepare Joshua to take on this fearful assignment and help him get past the fear he would have had to do this and go on to victory. And what I'd like to do in these moments that we have today is to show you what God said to Joshua and help you understand how God is still in the same process of doing that for all of us. The first thing that Joshua heard from the Lord was this. God said, Joshua, I have a principle of divine perspective that I want to put in your heart. And here it is, Joshua 1.5. Here's what I want you to know. First of all, as I was with Moses, Joshua, so I will be with you. Now that must have been an incredible moment when Joshua heard those words. Because as you see, Joshua had been Moses' lieutenant. He had walked with Moses all through his journeys, and he had been at his side. And obviously, he had seen God do the miracles that God did through Moses. He'd had a ringside seat. He had watched God's hand upon Moses. He'd been there. He'd been a part of the inner circle, and he had seen that. Now he faces his own challenges, and the first thing God tells him is this, young man, I want you to know, just as I was with your boss... I'm going to be with you. You can count on it. 
How many of you know that if God is with you, you're already off to a good start? God promised him he would be with him. And then secondly, God gave him the principle of divine purpose. And by that I mean he told Joshua what his assignment was. And I'm going to read these words to you from the first chapter and verse 2. He said to Joshua, now Joshua, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. And every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you as I said to Moses. And then he gives the outline of the barriers of the land. God said, Joshua, I want you to understand clearly what your job description is. Here's what I am calling you to do. I'm calling you to lead these people across the Jordan River into the land of Canaan, and I want you to settle that land. I want you to take control of it. This is the land I gave to you through Abraham. You see, God already owned the land, and he'd already given it to Israel, but in order for Israel to possess the land, they had to go in and take control of it. And he used this picture. He said, Joshua, every place where the sole of your foot touches, it's yours. In other words, he was saying, what I've given to you, Joshua, I want you to go and take possession of it. It's yours, first of all, by my gift. Now make it yours by your own personal possession. And what God was doing for Joshua in this moment and what he loves to do for us is he was giving him focus. He was saying to Joshua, I don't want you to be fuzzy about what this is I'm calling you to do. Here's your assignment. Here are the details. This is exactly what I want you to do. I want you to keep this central in your mind. And as the leader of the Israelites, keep it central in their minds. Don't get caught up in anything else. Don't get on any detours, Joshua. Here's your job description. And when you have focus in your life, it's amazing what it does to your fear. When you have focus, your fears begin to subside. When you begin to implement focus in your life, you discover that you no longer have fear. And since fear is the father of failure, the less there is fear, the less there is failure. You see, when you get up and you don't know what to do and you're caught up in the ambivalence of an undirected life, fear comes in and begins to just take control. But when you get up every day and you know that God has called you to something and you know what it is and you begin to focus your attention on it, something begins to happen in your heart. He gave him divine perspective and he gave him divine purpose and now he's going to give him a little pep talk, if you will. Divine persuasion. With all the experience that God had with Moses and all that was before Joshua, here's what God said to him. In fact, this is so pronounced in this text. I want to show you that not only is it three times right at the beginning of the text, but it's also the fourth time at the end of the first chapter. Here's what God said to Joshua. Here were his marching orders. Verse 6 of chapter 1, be strong and of a good courage. Verse 7, only be strong and of a good courage. Verse 9, have not I commanded you? Be strong and of a good courage. You get the impression God wanted Joshua to be strong and of a good courage. And in case he missed it, if you go on through the rest of the chapter, he says it again at the end of the first chapter. Now, why was it important for Joshua to have courage and strength? Oh, I can think of many reasons as I read through the rest of the book of Joshua. 
Not only the reasons we've cited already about his position following up this great leader, but God is going to ask Joshua to do some very unlikely things. I mean, can you imagine Joshua coming before his military people when they're about ready to go against the city of Jericho and saying to them, here's what we're going to do, you guys. We're going to walk around the city every day this week, and on the last day we're going to walk around it a bunch of times, and we're going to blow our trumpets and the walls will come down. Okay, everybody ready? <laughs> Say what? <laughs> and then Joshua faced some discipline problems. There was sin in the camp, and Joshua had to do Throughout the whole book of Joshua, there's this one reason after another why if he wasn't strong and courageous, he never would have been able to do this work. And God is saying to him, Joshua, I want you to be strong, and I want you to have courage. And then we are told that God gave to Joshua a divine priority. And if you don't get anything else from what I say today, and you have a challenge in your life with fear, I hope you will get this part of it. In order for God to protect Joshua from the fear of failure in the assignment that was given to him, he gave him these words. These are the words of Joshua's divine priority, verses 8 and 9. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, and you shall observe to do according to all that is written in it. God said to Joshua, I want to give you your instruction manual. It is the law. What God gave to Joshua couldn't have been anything more than the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And God said to Joshua, here's the book, here's the law. I want you to spend time in this law. Notice, I want you to know this. I want you to put this in your heart. This is to be the main thing going on with you. As you take on this assignment, you can't get very far away from this book. Because this book is the book that will help you. And I want to say to you, if you're not familiar with this book, this is the book God has given to help you. Did you know in the Bible there are many commands? Do you know what the most often repeated command is in all the Bible? I'm going to ask you to say this with me in a moment. Way more than any other. You know what it is? Fear not. Over 200 times. Fear not. Say that with me. Fear not. God cares about what we experience. Why would he ever put that in the Bible if there wasn't a problem of fear? Apparently it's a major problem because he put it in there a lot of times. And when you read this book, it doesn't matter where you start, but as you read this book, you will come into contact with the record of God's provision for his people over and over and over again. Somewhere along the way, you'll find yourself in this book, and you will realize that God has spoken to you. Now, I want to tell you something. All Joshua had was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I doubt if most of you go to that section of the Word of God when you need encouragement. But I want to remind you that when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by the devil, Jesus used all of his quotations against the enemy from the book of Deuteronomy. Did you know that? Every place that Satan would confront Jesus, Jesus would say, it is written, and that he'd quote Deuteronomy. So you might want to read those books. There's some good stuff in there. Jesus thought pretty highly of it. Hmm. Boy, it's a wonderful thing that happens when you read the Bible, and not just certain sections of the Bible, but the whole Bible. There's something everywhere to help you and encourage you. 
We'll continue our discussion of this particular theme tomorrow on the Wednesday edition of Turning Point. And then on Thursday and Friday, we're going to talk about the fear of disconnection, the fear of being alone. Um, That has been something that has played out in some pretty serious uh, results during these last weeks. We'll talk about it Thursday and Friday of this week. Don't forget, during this month, if you'd like to have a copy of the book which we're making available, it's called Hope, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World. It's an easy read. Seven or eight chapters that just uh, talk about some of these things we're discussing on the air and a few other things that go along with it. It's a great book to read for your own personal benefit, but I'm pretty sure you know somebody who's really struggling right now, and if you get this book, you'll read it first and want to give it to them. We can be purveyors of hope wherever we go. I read something the other day that I don't think I'll ever forget. And it goes like this. Whenever you light someone else's candle, you don't give anything of yourself away. When you light another candle, you continue to have everything you have, but you add hope and you add light and you add warmth to somebody else. Be a person who's looking out for the hope and help that you can give to other people. This book could be a tool for that. I hope you'll let us have the opportunity to put it in your hands. Ask for it when you send your gift to Turning Point today. We'll see you tomorrow. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current series, What Are You Afraid Of? Please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's timely and encouraging new book, Hope, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World. Stop letting fear hold you back. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, What Are You Afraid Of? Here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. If you've been blessed by the ministry of Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point, we would love to offer you two free ways to stay connected. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash magazine for a subscription to our monthly Turning Points magazine. Each exclusive issue is filled with encouraging articles and daily devotionals to strengthen your spiritual walk. You can also sign up to receive our daily email devotional and be a part of our community of friends who receive daily encouragement delivered straight to their inbox from Dr. Jeremiah. 
Written in a thought-provoking manner, this concise yet profound daily devotional delivers the refreshment and focus you need as you go about in today's world. You can join the more than 600,000 monthly subscribers who are building their faith each month through these free resources. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca study. That's davidjeremiah.ca study.